Hey there, Shopping Maniacs. You are listening to another episode of the Shop Talk Show. I'm Dave Rupert, and with me is Chris Coyer. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm doing fantastically. Man, I've been living in the data world for a, for a little while. You know, I've you know now I'm a back end developer. Now I'm sure oh, I told hey, you that. Welcome, you know, it's just, welcome I, I switched man. over in the last year. You did yep. it. You got I don't know. Back I did of, it. Back of the back now, not front of the front. They'll take anybody. These back end <laughs> people. It's amazing. <laughs> Uh, but but for real, you know, I did last week. I talked to. Yeah, it's like a Jurassic Park where it's like I know Linux or whatever. Anyway, so. <laughs> you just gotta say you are, and then you are. Yeah. Uh, the uh, but you know, I talked about a little side project I did uh, the other day, and I ended up using uh, uh, Postgres for it. But it was a decision I had to make. Uh, I had to make some choices about where am I going to keep a little bit of data. And I even mentioned that during this show has a Discord in that. Discord, we end up talking. It's just this uh, forever conversation. Remember that you know what the, the most common question at Shop Doctor the for early years was: How do I sync my WordPress data locally into the cloud? It was really weird. Two hundred episodes that on that one topic. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. <laughs> but data is a data is a forever issue, and we have some wonderful guests on today. Uh, uh, two of the people behind the product Sanity to talk about their data solution, which is you know called Sanity. Check it out; it's pretty cool, and we're. Just just going to dig into it. Uh, uh, so I've, I've Simon and Espen on. Simon, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having us. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much for being on. This is this is great. I, Sanity is it, it's been popular for a while and it, it continues to, to to grow in popularity. So it's 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 cool to see. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be a chance to get to talk to you all about what what this thing does and how you think about it. Uh, Espen, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. Been a good morning so far. Nice, you you two fellas. Just because I, I guarantee there's crossover between our shows uh, uh, and plenty of it. You're just with with Wes and and Scott. You're just on syntax. So if if you all listen to that, I listen to it. Great episode. I'm gonna try to not <laughs> talk about the exact same stuff. Just for you know the people that listen to both shows. Let's uh we're gonna we're gonna crank it up. We're gonna do a spicy edition. No Ooh. no no easy ones for you. <laughs> Are you ready for <laughs> you? <don't> <laughs> <laughs> cool. And we did. I think Simon, I did meet you. You know, back, as I think, as you put it, in 1976 at, at the first, <laughs> the first Netlify Jamstack conf back in uh, yeah in San Francisco. I think we were. It's kind of like the Woodstock of uh, of the Jamstack movement, right? Yeah, it was. You know, it was. <laughs> I was at the first Bonnaroo and the first Jamstack conf. Um, okay, so yeah, that was that was cool. And you, your product existed then too, though. It's not like you're a you know you were live even back then right you've been at this for, for yeah. a while how, how old is sanity are you have you had your 10 year yet <laughs> no it's coming up 2015 isn't that Espen, when we opened kind of the public version i think is it that old i'm not good with time maybe 2016 <laughs> something like that 2016 2015 it's been like a such a whirlwind i feel like it's uh always like the i, I remember we celebrated the third year and i was like is it been th- three years i just feel like we just launched uh it's going so fast it's flying by but uh you know you, you, but you're right it's uh it was uh it was already open at that time i think we were really trying to get to know the netlify guys uh zeit the old Vercel, like figuring out how to kind of partner with those uh smart people in uh, in the kind of front end the deployment uh space so that was super interesting so you know you picked well because to this day neither one of them have a data solution 
which is like blows my mind a little bit. But those are some big players in the I want to deploy my website kind of thing these days. And I'm sure you are thinking, oh, correct me if I'm wrong, but like, you know, people that make a, a Jamstack site, it doesn't mean they don't need data. They probably do need data. That was kind of the point of Jamstack wasn't necessarily that all these sites are static only. The, the J in Jamstack was JavaScript, which is, and the A was APIs, which means use JavaScript to use APIs to potentially go get some data. And a lot of people did that. A lot of people still do that. And, and then people wonder, they scratch their head and they say, but data where? Where do I get it from? And and that was kind of our what prompted us in the beginning because we were like everyone else at the time, like uh, early two thousand, late two thousand, uh, two thousand, early two thousand tens, starting to just move away from every kind of uh, monolithic solution. We just wanted to use JavaScript to build like whatever we wanted and to use the latest whatever is because pe- things were moving so fast. Mm-hmm. I think I never used the same framework twice, and uh, I just wanted a kind of solution that wasn't like a WordPress with an API. I wanted like a proper database. I wanted like something with a query language that had like, like but it, for, to my editors, it appeared as an intuitive editing interface. But to me as developer, it was just a principal data store. And I think that's kind of what we've been working on all this time, making sure these things are uncompromisingly a data store and uncompromisingly kind of an, an intuitive authoring interface. Well, that probably worked out well for you too, is that the front end moves fast. You almost want your back end to move slow. <laughs> you're like, Stop, <laughs> don't change back here. Yeah, I'd rather I'd... put the front, the back end in the front end because that's going to get messed up real bad. So, yeah. Okay. So, so Sanity is one of these solutions of data where? Sanity, potentially. That's one, that's one of your options. And it, I, I want to make sure I have this right and that people get it, because I think it's a bit of an unusual model in a way, is that you have this thing called Sanity Studio, and you've just released V3. Apparently, that's a bit your worked hard on that for many years, Espen. So congratulations on the release. Thanks. That you self-host, I think, right? That people people manage that themselves. So, you know, whatever. And then but but the data is always in the in the sanity cloud. Like y'all hold the data I host the front end. To me, that feels unusual. If you think of something like WordPress, which people probably have a strong mental model for, it's almost like WordPress provides the UI, but the but you provide the hosting. It's like almost reverse, uh, which is a kind of just funny to think about, I guess. It's it's a kind of an interesting uh, take on it. Uh, I would say it, it's interesting because uh, when people talk about headless, they usually think about the front end that talks to this like backend somewhere or API somewhere, and that's that's headless. But with Sanity, it's actually the full stack, so it's also the CMS that's using the exact same APIs, and that's very easy to see uh, because of that model, where you have this entire self-hosted uh, like React application that talks to the. You can open up the network tools, and you can see there's nothing but like JavaScript talking directly to our APIs that you can use yourself. So the same APIs they can use for like making scripts and uh, and like backend services can use those same APIs to like patch and retrieve data, set up listeners, all that kind of good stuff. But it's also just uh, at the end of the day, it's a single page application. So when you when you run Sanity Build, like the command line tool, uh, use this command line tool to do that, you end up with just JavaScript uh, and HTML. And so it's very easy to host it. So even though it is like self-hosted in a way. Uh, you can also just run Sanity Deploy and we will host that sort of static bundle for you. 
But it's also easy now to like take that to, you know, uh, host it on Purcell, host it on Netlify. And with the new version of the studio, because it's just React, you can even build this into your current website. So you can have it uh, live on like your slash admin uh, routes on your Next.js application or things like that. Uh, oh, that's new in V3. That kind of stick it at a stick it on your same site. You can get WP admin back. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, good. Uh-huh. Dave slash WP admin is coming back, buddy. Uh, hey, thousands, thousands of people visit that URL every day. And they must really want it. Um, people in, in, in air quotes, right? Yeah. Bots, basically. I thought about making that, turning that into like some kind of honeypot, like where I just get yeah, robots. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. But you know, when we when we when we were working uh, as a consultancy before we started Sanity, uh, we we looked at these kind of headless things coming up, and they were always like you said, Espen, they were always hosted uh, in kind of like you can't really change the CMS, and and we were like, that's kind of for us as, as kind of consultants, that's part of what we want to shape. Like that is like our customers are actually going to use that. Like their customers are going to do web- use the website, but there's a lot of value that we can give to our customers in the CMS. So. So we wanted to have like a headless system where we could still do all those things. And that meant like we want that to be open source. That was the good part of WordPress. Like the experience is open source. The bad part is you also have to kind of operate a database. Like I don't care about that. I don't want to do that. I was going to, no, I was going to say that when I was doing a lot of consulting and like I built CMSs, custom CMSs for people and, and it was, there was some okay ones but um but it, the big part of it was like scoping down the data to like no no uh you know i just want you to edit these three things put these three things in here and then uh then then like hit save and you'll be done you know i, I i've had experiences where i give somebody a squarespace or a word whole wordpress and they just don't use it or webflow they don't use it because they're like, I don't know what to do, you know, like, because it's just 5,000 bells and whistles, you know. Um, exactly. And it was uh, very beneficial for me to be like, here's, here's just, just put the headline in and then we could be done, you know. Um, yeah, like uh, the, the thing I really wanted was like uh, with WordPress and the kind of that ilk, you, you start by stripping them down usually if you want to give them to a customer. Like that's the first kind of uh, week, uh, two weeks, three weeks. And then you can build that in the things if you have time. If it's a cheap product, you have to give them all of the bells and whistles. So you wanted something that started out pretty clean, pretty kind of uh, basic, and then you can add things very easily. Uh, but most importantly, you wanted it to be so that you can structure and name things like what they do, like what the business that you're working for does. So finally, like the first job we did, like the first big job we did for a huge agency, uh, architecture agency, they asked us like, uh, when do we have a seminar? Where, where's the documentation? And we were like, yeah, there's not going to be a seminar. Uh, we're going to come to the Christmas party in, in, in December and you can ask us any questions then. Then we got the mail back <laughs> and we were, just, we, we were just, oh, because they had logged in and they'd seen that, oh yeah, this just makes sense. Like there is no questions and we never heard mm. back any questions. So that was the goal. And, and I think a lot of people still have that experience. Okay, so what we're talking about is the, the UI and the UX of what it is like to manage data in a thing. And you're saying that Stanity Studio is, you're kind of, you can, I don't know, do whatever you want is the right way to put it, but, but, but kind of, let's put a point on it though. Let's say Dave is really serious about his library page on DaveRuber.com. He reads books and he wants to build a beautiful website that 
displays the books that he read. So it needs an image, it needs a title, it needs an author, it needs a, I don't know, rating, ISBN, a subtitle, writing. Yep. And, and, and Sanity would be a good choice there, right? Because yeah, I can just, I can somehow tell Sanity, these are, these are the pieces of data I care about. And this is the, I don't know, the UX of what I want adding and editing books to be like. Would Sanity be perfect for that? Is that the, the case, Espen? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Uh, this is sort of the power uh, of Sanity is they're structuring those kind of data ships, uh, especially when you go like a, a little bit a, a step beyond that. So like when you're saying I have an author instead of just saying like this is the name of the author, you want to re- uh, create that as a reference to an author, right? And so all of a sudden you have these like hierarchies where you can find like you find all the books that George R. R. Martin wrote. Uh, so you can see all of those in in one place. And you have. A, oh, that's yeah. interesting. So you'd have a I didn't even think of that. I would think, oh, author, that's a string. But it's not mm-hmm. really because if we're thinking of how SQL would do it, there's probably an author's table and it would be a join on the author's table or whatever. Because, of course, we would of course we'd want to presumably have a, a filter or something. Not that you couldn't build a filter with a string, but I guess that's the relational DB way of thinking about it is to is to reference something else. So so is is sanity a is it like Postgres under the hood or something, or is it your own? Uh, what's the what's the secret sauce there? The secret sauce is called Grok. So so uh, we wanted it to be uh, familiar in the terms of like it is a database. The database part is just JSON documents. It's nothing like it's just a pile of JSON documents, and every and everything that is legal JSON is legal in our database. So SQL is not really good at uh, kind of curing uh, uh, JSON documents because they are more like trees, whereas uh, SQL likes tables. So what we said, like, uh, we're going to create something that looks like GraphQL, but it is really about uh, a free query language like SQL, but for for JSON. So that's what we did. And it's turning out like we expected to get a lot of uh, flack for that because like who comes up with a new query language in like 2017. But it turns out that people really, really are embracing it. They really are understanding the value of that because exactly like the secret is like you need that power of SQL, but you want to use JSON. And uh, like Espen said, like you want that author thing to be a separate model because uh, the next thing you want Dave is to have like a separate author page with a picture and a bio and like you want to have like related authors and so you're building this kind of structure and our goal was to be able to say you build that structure in a way that makes sense to you as a developer and then it becomes a UI that makes sense to the content creator and these things kind of uh, becomes this harmonious uh, union between the professions is our dream. So I think I love this idea. Like I own the CMS, you know, um, it's not just a, a cloud instance. It's not just like a, uh, because a, that can like fit into my security model, you know, enterprise people are going to enterprise, you know, they want to host it on some weird thing. Um, but can I also like, I guess hack it? Like, could I, like if I just put in the ISBN number for a book, could I hit, some like library API and get all that information to auto populate like my fields and then save that. Like, like do I have like that extensibility kind of that I could like kind of like hack a form? Mm, Good question. Like a hook or something. Yeah. We have a bunch of interesting APIs uh, that can do things like that. So you can either make sort of a, your own custom input components, uh, which uh, you can use to then like when you fill in the ISBN, 
you could uh, go out, fetch that data, and then populate the document. As long as you and can do it client side, right? Because it's it's just that's a single. true. Yeah, you can either do that, or now with the new new version, like if you're building this into your existing like uh, Next.js app, it's easier, or like whatever uh, you use for that, uh, it's easier to like add API routes on top of that as well. So you could always do like a you know slash API slash books uh, slash oh I see know, a cloud function or whatever yeah, that would yeah. protect your so you can use our yeah. hooks to, to trigger a web like a function right like you can trigger a lambda just just these things kind of behind the scenes oh yeah the, mm -hmm. yeah there's multiple ways of doing that that's also a, the webhook system is also quite powerful so you could set up that even to like react on drafts changing so whenever the ISBN changes on a draft you could like go out and fetch that and then from the cloud function you could uh, annotate the document which is kind of a interesting deal because it, it starts to lead into this uh, landscape where you can have like bots as, uh, hooking into this thing and and following along with the content and like annotating and enriching the content behind the scenes. And because the studio is all like real time updated, you'll just like be on that page and all of a sudden things will start appearing. So <laughs> it's kind of an interesting way of doing things. You're supposed to say ML. That's how you say ML. It. Yeah. <laughs> so if Chris has his like local copy of Sanity open, Sanity Studio, and I have my local copy of Sanity Studio. We're still seeing real time updates. Is yeah. that yes? Ooh, wow! Web sockets. How does that work? It's all small patches, and it's a uh, web socket. Yes, and um, but, but, but the beautiful thing, like Espen said, is like. Uh, I mean, we have customers who sync in data from all kinds of sources. Like some of our biggest customers sync in like a million different rights every day. And, and that's built in such a way that people can still work inside those documents and those changes just kind of magically merge uh, together. Uh, so, so that is, of course, like a huge reason that I think that's one of the beautiful things. Like this is very useful when you're a very small team because small teams are all, always working on the same document. Uh, mm. People think that like the, this, this real time stuff is just important when you're big, but it isn't. It's even more important for like a ten person team having a product launch. They are all hammering on the same three documents. Uh, when you get big, it's even more important. I can go into the scientist studio. We are about 110 people. I can go in. I can see where everyone is. I can just like join, let's say, Espen, and I can see where he's working on in the documentation, and I can join him. And this is not like Google Docs because of Sanity models any kind of JSON document. So these changes are much more complicated to model. Uh, mm. And you can actually even go and review changes. You can see every change in history down to each letter who wrote it, revert things and do all of that. So that's kind of, uh, so in a sense, like you, you talked about, Chris, like why don't uh, like these other companies make your data backend? I think in the, in the beginning, it looks like very simple stuff, but actually the, like with everything, the devil is in the detail. Like, like same thing for us. Like we could think in the beginning, deploying Jamstack sites is very easy, but it's really, really hard to do that on a global scale really fast. So it's a similar thing. It kind of, kind of takes a huge company to do all of these tiny things that make mm. it look super easy and super dumb from the surface like make it make it like it's sanity like using it as a data store like i use it for my hobby projects I, i'm working on like ml stuff right now and i use sanity data stores for kind of the back end for that it's super easy i don't need to think about all of these complicated things but when i need to it's all just there so that you know, in speaking of the details there you're kind of saying you know dave laid out a cool situation where you're both kind of working in in real time and such does it what what are the specifics there i'm almost asking for my own you know you know like hmm, <laughs> you know, <laughs> do you lock uh, you lock something like if he's on the isbn field it's never locked so does that mean you're you merge we don't have a concept of locking 
what we do is uh, everything you do, every time you type, it, uh, the system is trying to make the smallest possible patch. Like uh, you added like so a is J it around here. Or, or whatever? Similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. Same okay. kind of, same concept. Uh, local flavor. Local, f- same concept, local flavor. You invented your own <laughs> Norwegian uh, grown, <laughs> your own Because that stuff is freaking complicated. You know, I mean, I'm just it to give was. you some credit, I guess. You know, yeah. Yeah. We know, you know, we, we, we looked at, uh, there was a, uh, we didn't look at the CRDT article. We looked at uh, actually someone who was designing a real time, like a networked uh, fighting game, like those kind of like Street Fighter style fighting games that are super twitchy. Mm-hmm. So we looked at that and then what they did was like if you have let's say you pressed like your your hit button like four frames ago but i didn't know it so like but i get the message now it will my client will rewind four frames and re-simulate those forms for four frames with the knowledge of that you click that kind of hit button and then i'll see the reality and it will be a little bit of a twitch because suddenly your arm like your hand is up here just skips four frames just looks cool right we do the same thing what we do is like we 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 just speculate on what's going on based on what we see and then uh, if something happens and it turns out that happened before you did something, we will basically rebase, like a GitHub rebase. We will rebase the state of the browser with that new information. You're crazy. It's crazy. I would just not do that. <laughs> I would just lock the field. Just last right wins, lock the field, you know. <laughs> yeah. Too late. You already yeah, did yeah. the hard thing. No, but the, <laughs> but you're right. But the, the, but it, this is super important. And it's one of those things where we, we took the extra year to do all of these things, right? Because we know it's impossible to add it later. Like these things has to be kind of in the foundation of the system because it kind of bleeds into everything else you do. Mm, don't I know it. Yeah, it's also easy, easier when you're talking about like deep structures. Uh, it's it's even more important because, uh, like, if it's a string field, you could potentially just like, yeah, let's lock that field. But when you have these like arrays that have objects, and within that object there's a string field, or even like a richly rich text field, like there's so many levels here where you might want to lock it uh, if if that was your approach. Uh, so it actually turns out to be like if you're doing actual real time collaborative things you kind of can't have locking in that way. You kind of need everything to be merging. We used to work for this huge uh, media co- uh, company, loads of newspapers. They We, we used to kind of uh, help them invent new new things. And one of the things we wanted was like a, a number of things uh, related to updating articles uh, based on like events, like bots coming in and like updating sports scores and stuff like that. So that was like uh, amazing. Let's do that. And then we figure out, Oh, but this system is locking. So every, everything becomes incredibly complicated because like if a journalist is in there, we can't go in there and add our information. And if he has left for like the weekend, we can never go in there. And like, uh, so we were like, the, the, like, this has just to stop. Like our system will be lock free because also we think like the, it's happening right now, like the GPT stuff and everything. Uh, it's going to be a world where. I'm going to sit here writing. Something is going to fact check me. Something else is going to kind of look for inconsistencies with the new XYZ plan names. Mm-hmm. This is thing, stuff is going, on, going to go on in, in the background. It needs to be able to interact with the things I'm doing in real time. And that, hap- that is happening right now, right? Yeah. Do you see that in kind of like your customers? Are, are they kind of like asking or is this pressure to be real time, like pushing them to uh, kind of, leverage stuff like sandy uh, i think it's more like uh to be honest i think it's more like these are th- problems we don't see like these mm-hmm. are th- because people don't realize these things right like like one example is um or i'd say like um 
let's put it this way, like when these people are working together at the same time, very often you don't, just don't notice, like you just don't see it because you just kind of, it's just so seamless. So I yeah. think to, to us, it's just like this, it's just like a pain that people don't feel that is very, very valuable, <laughs> but it's just like invisible. So, so, but, 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 but you're, but you're right. Like the, this kind of real time is only a few very big companies are using this kind of real time writing stuff. Yes. Right now. But uh, we see kind of a huge influx of services coming in that will kind of like real-time translations and stuff like that that will kind of come. No, that's like, uh, so I'm working on an app called Luro. Hashtag buy it. Um, but <laughs> hashtag ad. Uh, but, you know, I think it was Chris who was like, oh, it'd be cool if this auto-saved, you know? Like when you're editing like a document, just auto-save it like Notion or anything kind of this, everything kind of expects auto-save. And we were like, yeah, cool. And like that day, boom, like we're autosave. And then we were like, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> what happens when two people are playing autosave? You know, like it's going to go real bad. It's even worse when you don't autosave. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And so we were just kind of like, oh, no, like maybe we, uh, we are too naive about this and we need maybe like a locking situation. I think that's probably where we're going in this iteration, but it is interesting. To- or you just use Sanity as a backend. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, now I'm like, maybe that's the, <laughs> the call. But um, uh, but yeah, I just, I, I, it's funny. You don't know it's a problem until you really like that third tier of thinking uh, about yeah, exactly. It's like uh, like you said. Like right now, you you will just close windows. You just expect everything to be committed either to a draft or so. Like I was using Grafana the other day. Uh, I was re- redesigning a, a, a dashboard, and then I realized it isn't real time. So now my my coworker had done the same thing, and I had to kind of like just give up my changes. I guess I had no idea. Uh, and that's now now that is just not cutting it. I, I I feel. I think even locking is kind of a joke when I like uh, if I'm I'm like uh, these things aren't. Like you're not using any of these tools for fun. Like you're trying to achieve something and get on with your, your, your day. And I'm in there and like, yeah, I'm not supposed to kind of wait for seven minutes or 30 minutes, depending on like what you're doing. I don't know. Uh, I don't feel like that's acceptable, actually. Yeah, because you're doing, I mean, you, it's possible that you're doing writing. You know, your brain is like on fire doing something. Imagine if, you know, we use Notion a lot to share documents. Stuff. Dave and I are in the same Notion document right now. We're not actively working on it. But can you imagine if Dave had this open so I just couldn't see it? Or he's writing on a, a certain area of the document. So there's just a big red bar around it. Like, do not touch. You know, get out of here. Exactly. You can't do that. That's like totally unacceptable. And that's not that different, you know, than... It's it's quite literally the same thing. I mean, you wouldn't call Notion a CMS probably, and I know you kind of avoid that term CMS too. But whatever, it's it's a system that manages content. So <laughs> that's because just because everyone hates their CMS, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> we are the CMS you don't hate. So, like, what should you call that? No. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, no. Well, I was going to ask, like, um, yeah, we have another problem. I'll call it whatever in Luro, um, marketing marketers want to market. And so now they're like, and I say marketers as my coworkers, but like, but just the idea of like, like let's put some how to videos or something, you know, or context or like new feature release messages and stuff like that. And, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Like, let's like code this out. And like, we'll just, I guess, I don't know, handwrite JSON <laughs> to like do these little feature blurbs and then uh, some have videos, some don't. And then you're just kind of, I think we're just like kind of doing it dumb right now. And and then there's a whole deploy process, boom, like staging deploy kind of thing. Um, 
that's like not great for the long term. It's fine for right now, but it's not great for like long term. And is like, do you see Sandy as like a place to hook in there? Like for, oh, for yeah. apps? Like, like one of our kind of both first kind of uh, yellow sticky notes uh, was like, it should be easier than the, the kind of JSON file locally. Like uh, to mm-hmm. me, the, like, like I spin up a, like a sanity free plan is super generous. So you can just spin up like a sanity in like for, for each of your JSON files. Uh, and so, 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 and the API is super dumb. Like, uh, it's just a curl, uh, like just a, a get. You can, if you don't have to get any, any into any of the advanced shit if you don't need it. Uh, and so I would say it's is easier than that JSON file. And immediately you can now give that job to someone else who doesn't necessarily like do Git or something or don't like like deploy pipelines. So kind of I I feel that like I'm I'm actually on a kind of a uh, kind of a, a crusade right now in terms of I think people should be. It's weird to me where you just, like you start your front end project. And like step one, maybe is like next create app or create React app or whatever you like. Second step is install a CMS. Like it's it like install Sanity, I'd say, of course. But like at least like so a lot of the CMS now have have generous free tiers. Use one of those. That should be your second step. And then you start writing your first kind of page or whatever you need. Because I think uh, these things are now so cheap and easy. Um and uh, the cost of like I was doing the same thing like the the the, uh, the our website was all like our own websites were always like uh, JSON with Markdown uh, some kind of weird shenanigans with some YAML and some random APIs here and there and that worked because we did all everything ourselves. Thing is, suddenly you, you grow and you grow by two people and that's like. Uh, at a fifty percent growth for for a small company, and now you have to onboard people, and like now now half your company is onboarding people instead of just giving them a CMS. So I think that is a very obvious investment to to make for on my part. Um, and our goal was for for Sanity to be something that scales from that to like global spanning corporations. So like the the fun thing now is like we are used by like someone's boyfriend's uh, Korean food blog. And Burger King and AT and T, and it's the same system. There's no, there's no customization by us. Like these are, the, this is the same piece of software everyone is getting. It's just a matter of like scale. You just, yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Burger King wants staging and dev, right? What's the story there? I mean, I, I don't. I'm putting words in their mouth, but like the bigger the company, the more you want like local development that's not touching my production data. You don't want Dave Rupert. <laughs> fixing text <laughs> especially a local dev you know like do, is it what is sanity connecting to when i'm on an airplane or whatever or in a no wi-fi situation is there a local yeah. dev story or just not no it's not there's just yeah, not the local dev uh, local dev one isn't a story right now but uh in terms of the multiple environments like dev and staging that's uh, you what you people usually do is have they have multiple data sets so it's like a separate uh think of it as a separate database like you have the same structure well potentially the same structure uh in, in those and then you just have different data and you like copy and copy data between those if you like want uh, data that is as close to production as possible or you have like completely dummy data if you want to be like completely uh, uh just like playing around i guess uh, and that also allows you to like change That's the cool. content model and build new features without like affecting production in any way. So it's a it's a pretty nice way of of working, and it also allows you to model different. Uh, sometimes you just want like a different separation. So you want 
one part of the business to be in this data set and one another part of the business in a different data set. It's, uh, it can be used for a lot of things, but uh, environments is definitely one of the things that we see people using it for the most. And I think I have this right, but like Sandy has like a schema, correct? Like, so that duplicating my production and development or staging database is really just like copy the schema. Is that kind of the idea there? Uh, yeah. So the studio is the part that defines the schema right now. Uh, so uh theoretically the database doesn't really care about the schema at least at this point uh, so mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of cool was uh, because you can uh, do things like just put some json data in there without having to like declare a schema up front which allows you to use it for like you know just throw some content in there and start querying uh but if That's you like- use this the number one reason I don't use GraphQL because you need a schema first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You can just kind of you can just dump JSON in there and start queuing it with joins and every all the kind of SQL goodness, but you don't have to. So it literally is just JSON. It's just JSON yeah. file sitting on it's a just desk. A pile yeah. of, it's just a pile of JSON. But the fun thing is, we index it in such a way you can use all kinds of the things you associate with kind of. Uh, uh, relational databases, you can kind of reshape it and you can join it according to, let's say, like equality on fields and all of those advanced things, but you don't yeah. have to define anything up front, which is kind of amazing. But, yeah, but then the, the having the schema in the studio is what sort of automatically generates a UI for you, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like when you want to, it's very easy to like play around with the data in uh, by just like throwing some JSON at it. But once you want to have like other people actually start editing that content, that's when you like start defining that schema. Is the schema is the schema literally JSON schema like that's that exact spec or is it like uh, your? No, it's not. Yeah. It could be, <laughs> uh, theoretically, but it's not. It's a little more friendly than uh, JSON schema. Okay, right on. And then you do you like let's say you're like oh I you know the ISBN number should be above the the title or something. Do you just like move that line higher yeah. in the schema in and it code, just appears? It up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. <laughs> In the future, we'll of course uh, provide uh, like better APIs for uh, figuring out how the form should look. You know, like currently, it is literally like moving the field up and down. But sometimes you want to be more just prescriptive, right? So you want like uh, this field should only uh, well should be on like on the left side of this thing, uh, and this should be on the right because then I can see all the context and like there there's a million things that you can do like that. Uh, but currently, it's uh, it's it's the order of the fields in the schema that determines determines that. But uh, but but I think you're selling yourself a little bit short now because like we we saw like we we haven't changed the APIs uh, like we are really like we are really careful about changing the APIs. We haven't broken any of our backend APIs as far as we know ever. Like we even maintain all the bugs from 2015 uh, for the people who use those versions of the API because I hate getting up at night because someone updated their APIs. That because for no reason for me. But then uh, what we uh, have saved up there is like, we saw people, like one thing people really love about Sanity and people keep telling us about is this customization. Like it's it's cool that it's fast to get up and running with Sanity. You just like need a short schema, one little file and it's up and running. But then the, our dream was, and what people like about it is like, then you can basically do everything. Like you're not punished for getting a fast start because now still everything is possible. And we saw people do very, very intense kind of rebuilds of sanity. So what Espen and team has been doing is building this V3, which is basically like a, I would say it's like a framework for building custom CMSs. 
So it's kind of just decomposes the whole thing. So I think in terms of like you, you're being very humble now, Espen, like if there's what you can do, but what you actually can do is incredible. I don't think there is anything like it out there. Yeah, I mean, that's the fun part right now is that, it's, as you say, it's more of a framework. So it's, it is individual React components that you can import and sort of build up uh, smaller pieces of the, the framework or the studio. Uh, and like going forward, that'll just be even easier. So like each input component is its own thing that it can import and just uh, like expose. So if you just want to edit like a single field, or you just want uh, like one specific user to be able to edit a certain portion of the content model, you can do that uh, both like uh, through configuration, but also uh, by like actually programmatically doing these things. And it's all just React. So it feels very familiar if you're used to building things with React. Isn't it like Espen now is like uh, Sanity is just like a React tag. It's just like Sanity and that's the, the CMS. Yeah, it literally is just a, like a React component that is called Sanity uh, at the lowest level. So when you're in like a route inside of uh, Next.js or something, you can just like import Sanity from Sanity and then you render like a JSX thing and then you're off to the races. Just pass it uh, like your project ID and in configuration and then that's it. The whole of Sanity is just a React component. If I'm understanding, I think I like your approach, right? Because there's sort of like three choices, right? Like you use a CMS like WordPress and you just have their data model, right? Like, or you like do use something to like, you know, you build out some UI and you try to trick it to like spit out your data model that you want, right? Like custom fields or it's almost like, Hey, like build your UI and we'll like create the data for you. But it sounds like your is very your like Sandy's very much like you actually start with your data model, your little blob of JSON, and then you create the UI off of that. So it's like I guess the question I'm kind of leading to is like what's like my first experience with sanity? Is it like what's is it five minutes? Is it one hour? Is it two days? Like what like if I'm like, all right, let me try this, what What's that experience like? So the first thing uh, people usually do is to start off with uh, running the command line tool and starting a, or creating a new project. And so that will create like a, a host, hosted database in the cloud. And then uh, it doesn't have any schema yet. And then it asks you whether or not you want a template. So it's like uh, we have a couple of ones to, to go from like, a, do you want a personal website or blog, uh, you know, a movie database or something like that, just so you have something to like get inspired by. And then that creates uh, some files, um, mostly just like a configuration file and a few schema files. And you can start editing those. Uh, like once you run like Sanity Start, uh, then you've got a CMS up and running and uh, all of the content is stored in the cloud and it's ready to go. And then you can start editing those uh, like schema files to modify it to your needs. Or you can start from scratch and just like define the, the individual uh, content models uh, that you have. And the UI will just magically reflect this. It's just like once you change the schema files, it's a hot reload. And uh, all of a sudden you have a new navigation uh, section that's like, oh, yeah, now you have books. Now you have authors. And uh, you can navigate and start creating new documents. Uh, the other way of going about it is, of course, to just like you create the, the 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 project first. So you have this database in the cloud. And then you can start using... Um, 
our tooling to import data or just write, write scripts to import data. And that's basically just JSON files, as we've talked about before. Like it just has document ID and a document type. Those are the only like attributes that we really, uh, that we require you to sort of provide. Even a document ID will be auto-generated for you if you don't provide one, but sometimes you want a little bit, bit more control. And once you like enter that into the, the database, then you can start querying, as we've talked about before. Like we have a Grok lang- uh, the Grok query language, which doesn't require you to define a schema. And so you can just say, find all the doc- JSON documents of type author, and then you have those. And then you can say, I just want the name and the you know best friend fields, and you'll get those. And uh, you can just like, it's very similar to GraphQL, but it doesn't require that schema definition up front, which is nice. We also have the starters, right? You can also t- kind of get started by like a ready-made project, front-end, back-end, same file, or same like uh, same project mm-hmm. in- integrated. And up and running. Yeah, that's really ex- that's really exciting now with uh, with the v- new new version, the V three, is that we we can provide these starters, which gives you the entire stack. So you have like a, a the actual front end that talks to our um, to our API and also the CMS, and it's all in like the same repository, the same like project, and it even deploys that straight on to like yourself. And uh, so you have like everything up and running within like a few minutes. Mm. So if it's a Next.js site, you you know you run your command line tool, you run theirs, or maybe it's combined or something these days. I don't know how you're doing it, but then it needs to get some data. So you probably encourage the like get server side props thing, right? Because that's how Next.js does it. It might as well it might as well ask for sanity data so it can server side render exactly, and then. I don't know. I, mean, I assume there's some API keys or something because it's gotta, it's gotta do that. <laughs> yeah, depending yeah, you on your, go. depending on your security model, like you can choose to either have like a completely open public data set uh, that anyone can query. In that case, you don't even know need uh, any API keys, or you can have a private one. In which case, you you will need to provide a token. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. By default, it's all uh, public, and your just your drafts are are secret. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. That probably is pretty satisfying to spin up a a site with those that that modern of technology. And then do, what's already installed? Is there like a cuz would you consider Grok your your ORM or, or whatever? Is that cuz at some point you have to write a query that says I want these library books and I know y'all y'all really like and and advocate for your Grok language. Yeah, I would say, you know, like let's let's spend a minute or so talking about Grok cuz it is it is interesting. It's like it's kind of your, it's kind of like your, I don't know. It's almost like GraphQL sucks. Use Grok thing. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, you got to do your thing. Yeah. No. No. So we. So we. So we. We don't. So. So we have the same. Like our thinking about GraphQL is the same as what you mentioned, Dave. Like GraphQL is amazing for designing controlled APIs. Like if you want to make it, create a specific API and have really great control over what's legal and what's illegal and have like a tight control over that, then GraphQL is basically the, the kind of heir to, 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 to RESTful APIs, right? That's what it replaces. It's really much better than REST. Whereas what you need, like let's say when you're implementing a, a, a GraphQL API, you have to have some kind of queries underneath, right? Like you have to, like, how do you get that information to fulfill that query? Usually in most systems, there will be some SQL or like MongoDB queries or something like that. Grok is that, 
but it's exposed all the way to the to the kind of client. So if you if you really want to have like we created Grok so that it basically is it's shaped like GraphQL. And Espen uh, wrote all our, uh, we have GraphQL as well. And our GraphQL APIs is just more limited because th- th- they have to be generic. Um, uh, and they are just text transformation. They're just transforming text from GraphQL to Grok and then sending that on to the backend. So kind of, it's it's more of a low level, let's say it's the, it's the kind of a SQL to the rest, to the, to the rest full of, of uh, or like, yeah, if, if Grok is REST, then this is SQL. Yeah. Well, let's use the books analogy. Dave's got his bookshelf. There's a there's a a thing in the schema that says a, this is a book, and a book has all the stuff we talked about: the title, the ISPN, the image, and all that stuff. I can for immediately I can Grok for that stuff, right? There's no setup yes. or anything. Grok just will exactly. work with that. Is there any setup for the GraphQL though, or do I get an automatic? Is there a mutate a query and a mutation for a book type just because it exists in the schema? Do I just like get that for free? Yeah, you'll have to define the schema with GraphQL uh, because like GraphQL requires the schema uh, to even like know what's available and what queries should be be there. But we convert so it automatically me. for you, right? But we just but you 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 already wrote one, right? Like so, you we create one for you. Yeah. So like you once you define this uh, the schema in this uh, in the studio, you can run Sanity GraphQL deploy and it'll take a look at the schema and automatically generate a GraphQL API for you. Which then allows you. Oh, to, it does. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's nice. So it's uh, it's not that much more work, or at least not if you already have sort of the the schema in the studio. But uh, the the thing that Grok can do that GraphQL can't do is you can't just like uh, you, can, you can just import data uh, like willy nilly, and then you can start querying without defining any schema, right? And that's really powerful. And a really nice thing that people like with Grok is, you know, the code that you always have, like in your fetch, uh, you you will probably do a number of different fetches. Uh, maybe you will reshape it a little bit before you give it to your view. Like you you have this this whole bit of code that runs before mm-hmm. your render. And uh, we didn't anticipate this, but we made Grok so powerful that this basically for most people just replaces that whole bit of code so you basically express that whole reshaping you can take your authors let's say you don't for this particular page you don't need the data about them so you convert it to the string on the server side you, you concatenate the strings with a comma you send like that's what you send over so you can be very very specific about the shape of data that you want and really rebuild it and join in data from other sources like the like uh, oh, other books, I want to go fetch that. Like other books by the same author, I want to attach that, and then, and then you give that to your view, and now you, the whole thing is done. And the cool thing about that is that whole thing is now CDN cached edge, right? Like so, that whole processing is happening server side, and also we store it for you. So the next customer coming in, that's like one millisecond. Hmm. So are we are we all crossing our fingers that this really takes off? As part of it, I mean, I hate to say it, but you're the only thing that has got Grok. I think I heard you say on Syntax that like other places could and have shown interest in it's open source, Grok, but nobody but nobody has right. So, but would it be nice if they would? I mean, I'm sure it would be nice for you to be like the originators of some awesome language. But at the moment, it is some form of like if I choose to go all in on Grok, I'm sure as hell not leaving Sanity because. <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean that's fair to say. <laughs> no, so oh yeah, no, so so we like that, that is fair to say, and and, if, uh, and it, it is uh, of course one of the reasons we make sure this is open source and well documented. There's a test suite uh, that's open source. Like the whole thing is like we all even have a JavaScript implementation of, of Grok that's open source. So it, it should be possible. And we just sure don't want it to use it as kind of a moat to get people to kind of lock in with us. Uh, uh, 
but we do have to, let's put it this way. These uh, GraphQL APIs that are kind of gener general, these generic, these are terrible. Like you, you build these huge kind of trees of every possible thing you might ask for. These schemas are terrible. So using GraphQL as kind of your query language is just, is just nasty. So in a sense, we have to have a proper query language. Like we can't not have that. Uh, and you can say like other, other databases, let's say Mongo has, uh, or Elastic has, uh, they have a query language, which is, proprietary, but it's just encoded as JSON. It's just not very friendly to write, but it's the same kind of thing. Uh, so you could, you could see uh, a Grok as that, like it's just that, just with a nicer notation. Uh, uh, so we could not have that. Uh, it has to be a lower level query language. But what is happening now is that we see people are, uh, we, like we don't advocate uh, Grok over GraphQL. We see them as two different Things. It's like a plate and a fork. Like the, you might prefer forks, but you, when you need a plate, you need a plate. Uh, so, so that's how we view it. And I think uh, we're going to work more on our GraphQL support in the future because I think it's awesome when you need a controlled API. It's nice to be able to just go and queue your data when that's the thing. It's nice that you're kind of, uh, but when you need like, a, let's say you have seven different applications talking to the same data store. And you might not be able to deploy all of them. At, like maybe some of them are PlayStations, so you may, might not control when they update. So you might need to have like a controlled API that might kind of be be able to be updated without your data set updating. So those things. So we we support those things. We see those things that we think that's important too. And we can. It's so funny. That's it's so problem. far away from you know your brother. You know what, what? What did you say? Your your some boyfriend that's got a Korean food blog or something? That's real yeah. different. It's we, we do we do both of those things. Well, let me explain what you do. We do at CodePen, and so we have a GraphQL API at, at CodePen, right? And I can I kind of I'm seeing where you're coming from here in an interesting way because it's it, I like the idea that like well let me describe it first. It's it's very handwritten, you know, like we didn't, there's a, there's a, uh, all kinds of queries and mutations and they all have what, you know, you call a resolver. So the first thing it hits is that resolver. And it's like, what do you want me to do? And in the way we've structured it is like, well, it might just return something if it's really basic to return, or it might hit a logic layer that says, oh, I, it, authorization and permissions is important to this one. So it's got to go through that layer first. And then eventually it will, you know, get down to some lower level place where an actual query has to be performed. And that query is probably handwritten too. I mean, it, it, it may, may, it probably isn't just raw SQL, although it could be, uh, it probably uses what we call GORM or not what we call, we use a thing called GORM, which is just a go based ORM for getting, pulling data out of that. Postgres thing. Now we've been or we've been doing this long enough that some of that stuff is auto generated. That we have some fancy tooling that can look at a GraphQL type and like make types and such out of it that it can perform queries on our behalf anyway. So it's not like somebody's sitting there being like every single query and mutation has a bespoke query that is, you know, handcrafted by a developer. There's lots of automation to get us there. But because we have this whole setup and can look at all the code all the way down, we can do like really bespoke stuff. Like what does this mutation exactly do? Do I need to finesse it a little bit before it goes into the database? Or when I query to get something out, I can, I can do, I have this layer to do a little stuff to it before it before it gets back to the, the the person if I want to, and that level of control is 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 pretty great. But I like the idea that 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 
that query get that's really deep in our code base kind of gets sucked all the way up to the top with Grok. <laughs> you know, you're like, mm. yeah. You know what, what I think is amazing? Like we we this, this this concept came up early in our company's life where we're like, I want a database API that respects the query, the security filters, so I can like basically use SQL. Uh, the database takes care of hiding whatever you don't have access to. So we did that very early on. Grok has that same thing. Like if some we have a very complex for enterprises, we have a very complex set of kind of security filters they can use, and then you can still just give the query API to anyone. Like they would only see what they're allowed to. Uh, even if they specifically ask for something, they, would not, they won't even know it's there. Like they won't even know they are not allowed to see it. And uh, uh, what I think is amazing is you can take, let's say you have a company, uh, you have a part of your company has been working for a long time on like maintaining this database of uh, product nutritional information or something like very specific. And now this other team needs that information. And in the past, you would have to have like, you would have to wait for seven months until that other team could write the API you need to there because they control that kind of API surface. And like everyone is waiting for someone to implement some flag on their API. If you use something like a content cloud, like like the, the, the Sanity cloud, um, then uh, this that API is the same. So I can just start leveraging that other team's data if I'm allowed to. And I can just start making my own, my own API on top of that because if the data is there, I can, I can see it and use I can it. shape it and I can get it and I can do that EU kind of certification process that we were tossed with just based on that other team's data, right? Yeah, that's cool. I, I, saw, I was at a local meetup the other day. This, I'm sure will wh- horrify some of you and maybe appeal <laughs> to some of you. There was a view app and it was front end. And, the, and the, this team had some theory that you only need a database and a front end and that people put way too much code in the middle in their back end. So they had these view components that had SQL queries just in the view component. And it just went straight through the database. There was a little back end because, you know, you need to do a little auth or something on the way there. <laughs> I hope so. But it had nothing. It was just like the back end was just accept user input perform query that was given. They would return yeah, data. It's the so same concept, right? Yeah, it's so, the same concept. It was so weird. <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. The, I guess it kind of is the same concept, you know. That's very strange. To me. I am scared. <laughs> I'm afraid. I'd rather write it in Grok, though. I'd rather have a little bit of abstraction between my raw database query and yeah, what's probably about. not have mutations in there. Yeah. No, I just think that it's it's the, the nice thing is uh, to be able to have the it's kind of like the the knowledge about how things needs to be shaped near where you use it so that when you need to reshape that data that's like at this like often in the same file and i i find that super sweet um yeah, I do a lot of data reshaping. I'll say that's cool. Exactly. And, and you're saying your point. I mean, I, I, I admit, unfortunately, I've never written a Grok query in my life. But you're saying that Grok can do the reshaping as part of the query, like it's reshaped right there. I, I mean, we were we were shocked. Uh, like you can do any any kind of you can you can fetch any number of things unrelated or related. You can basically list a number of queries. Uh, they might kind of build on each other or not. You can. You can say like I'm. I want to get this book. I want to get like the author. I want to get the other books by that author. I also want to kind of get, but I just want the titles of those books, not, not not nothing else. But then also, I want to go get the articles that are related to any of these books, uh, and I will get, build them into one single array. But I will only have like title and the kind of uh, image of those articles. Mm-hmm. So you can really kind of do like that is usually like uh, usually like. Uh, uh, seven, eight API calls and some logic and some like uh, for each map, blah, 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 stuff in JavaScript. All of that happens like on our backend once. And then it's one piece of compressed uh, JSON over the wire. 
that is usually then also cached. That's that's touted as something that GraphQL is good at. The the thing is somebody has to somebody has to hand write that to in order to exactly. work. Exactly. It has to be the thing you need, right? It probably isn't. <laughs> and if you have a kind of very small company or you you have a single person team, maybe you can do that. But in the real like company setting, that this leads to everyone waiting for everyone else to change their APIs or write lots of like weird hacky middleware to just kind of cobble it together. So I think we I think we've nailed on some limitations, and so it would be interesting to know if you have a couple of that you're comfortable talking about, like what are like you know some things that sanity isn't particularly good at. It would surprise me if. <laughs> if it's scaled like to to millions of records, but I, I, I would assume it can, right? You're talking about pretty large scale. It blows my mind that Grok can be fast at all. I proposed a ten, like a get to ten million documents project, and then we were kindly informed by sales that we have several customers with like way more than ten million documents, and they are super happy. So uh, <laughs> I guess you can make it work, but it's like uh, you're right. Like that's that is definitely like a, a challenge. We. We have a great team with incredibly smart people working on the data backend and kind of the design uh, philosophy is like we take all the complexity. Like it, to you, will look like a dumb list of the Java, the JSON documents. We know that to us, it's like this complicated n-dimensional challenge to get that to actually run anything uh, like fast. And it and it does. Uh, but, but you're right. That is a limitation. Like uh, if your thing is very huge and also very complicated and you expect to run very complex queries, it will not work. It will be very slow. Uh, that is true. Well, we don't have to dwell on that, but uh, the, I would assume that. Yeah, feel free to do other ones, but I'm wondering, like, what is it? Is is Vercel going to buy this, or, or what's going on here? Like, would it, would it be a bad day for Sanity to wake up to hear Vercel announcing they 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 now have a data solution and it's not Sanity? <laughs> like, that would suck, right? Oh or, yeah, uh, that, would, that would suck. But I, but I don't think I don't think uh, <laughs> I, I remember talking to I wanted to mention names, but I I, I talked to a, a, a proprietor of a very 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 famous uh, front end framework, saying that you know a CMS that's just like a and like it forms over a database, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, you just keep believing that. That is just, that's just what it is. It's very, very simple, dumb stuff. So like easy. It is, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think, uh, I think, uh, I don't, I'm not scared of that in terms of, uh, I, I don't think, I know for, for a fact, let's say, uh, Vercel, they have uh, incredible ambitions uh, on behalf of their own project. Guillermo is an incredibly smart person uh, mm-hmm. who is, he understands how a very, very complex uh, problem kind of state management and, 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 and that kind of challenge is. Uh, and they have so much to do on their own platform uh, that I don't think it would be, I think it would be like the worst part of that for, on my part would be, I think that would be a really bad day for Russell if they were to spread themselves like that. Too thin. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting to see other, you know, and, and Netlify is the, the same thing. They don't have their own front-end framework, although I guess they pay Zach to work on Eleventy and stuff, but don't have quite as much investment into one particular framework like like Vercel does, but also kind of famously doesn't have anywhere to keep your data. Um, and, and it's interesting that companies that really succeed at one thing tend to not do the other thing. Uh, you know, unless you're Amazon, but then they ha- they they don't really have a framework that has really succeeded. You know, they they kind of tried, and they have, they have so much that it ends up being a kind of a confusing mess. And I don't think anybody necessarily trust them to to build a framework okay <laughs> I, I mean maybe that's weird but it feels like that ship has sailed for no, them but, it, but isn't it I, I think it's that that is so interesting i think this is such an interesting thing like you you would guess like someone like amazon would definitely having infinite resources would be able to even make their own offering simple 
but even like even companies can make a make a big dime on just making. I mean, we're sell, like let's be fair, we're selling Netlify just making stuff like uh, AVS and, and uh, GCP just easier to use. It's basically just yeah. kind of a facade over that, and you are willing. Like even we, we are we are like our company is full of AAA developers, but we gladly pay uh, companies like Vercel and Netlify to make that easier for us. Yeah, gladly. That's an easy. Like if we for a particular project, if we can pick one of the, like Vercel over uh, doing it raw on GCP, we will. Uh, and even if we still pay GCP like uh, the hundreds of thousands of dollars dollars a month, we still do that. Uh, so so I mean that's it. That is very interesting, and I think that's a thing for a for a company that want to really crush in a market, let's say you're doing front-end uh, deployment or you're doing a CMS, like we would never, like I got this question actually the other day, like why aren't you why aren't you making money deploying the studios? Like you have the simplest possible deployment solution. And we're like, there is no, like we that would, then we would be competing with Vercel or Netlify and we don't, like we don't want to do that. Like we don't, we don't, we don't think we could win that fight uh, and we don't want to. Uh, so so it's like, it's it's about focused. And the people who win focus, right? <laughs> yeah, pick the fights you can win. Well, you picked a good fight, though, because I think, I mean, I'm, I'm a little obsessed with the idea that, like, if you can get customers to put their data on your thing and pay you to do it, that, that that's a really super duper solid business. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, picked, yeah. You just have, you to, be, you well just have to be amazingly trustworthy, right? Like, uh, you can imagine when, when we have it, when we have storms in our server centers, that's like all hands on deck situations because when we, we, what we want is for everyone to just, to just, to just know that we just take care of everyone's stuff, right? That is kind of the biggest deal. And it's not just data, data. It's like if all Vercel did was next, I think I wouldn't bet on them anything. I'd be like, that's a that's a sucky business model. But the fact that they're <laughs> your deployment too, it's an amazing business model. You know, they, they they do they do have data. It's just files, not structured data. You know. Uh, anyway, we gotta we gotta wrap it up. You got what? Do you have any final thoughts there after all that, Espen? You know, <laughs> uh, nothing for me. No. Okay. All right, Dave. Well, I just think you know, that, that was fun to talk about. It's very interesting. And I mean, it's always that I feel like every week on Twitter, it's like, I'm building a site. Where What should I use for data? And um, I, maybe people are like now have Sandy on their radar. So uh, hopefully that's cool. But uh, before we go, for people who aren't following you and giving you money, how can they do that? We'll start with Espen. Uh, they can go to sanity.io to check out the products. Uh, I'm on uh, Twitter uh, as Rexars, R-E-X-X-A-R-S. Nice. And Simon? Yeah. So uh, same thing. I really want to think people should go check out uh, Sanity V3. If they Even if they have tried Sanity before, it's really something. It's really amazing. And uh, you can find me at Twitter, at uh, uh, Swala. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Your choice be sure to start our favorite episodes and people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter for as long as it exists. And uh, <laughs> at Shop Talk Show. And then uh, head over uh, to patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show for, uh, to join the Discord. It's always fun. And Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Oh, that's it. ShopTalkShow.com. Thank you, everybody.